You are listening to the Data Point podcast, brought to you by the Hindu. I'm your host, Sonika Loganathan. This is episode two of Vital Signs, our look into how India's medical education system is affecting the country's healthcare. All right, where were we? So last week, we discussed the system that existed long back and the way that students got their MBBS seats and how it's changed over time and where it kind of stands now. Yeah, well, in the old system, it was not much of a rat race. And uh, I mean, that's what the doctors say. And uh, nothing was planned and everything happened in more of a natural flow of things, right? Mm-hmm. And because there was kind of limited or no planning, there was no coaching industry too yeah. at that time, right? Now, but this has changed with the arrival of entrance exams such as NEET. And now the way that aspirants approach medical education has changed also. Mm-hmm. So you join coaching extremely early on from your sixth or seventh standard. Yeah. So that has completely changed the ways. Yeah. And most of the young doctors and medical students that we spoke to in the first episode of this series, they said that they joined a coaching class because of FOMO, the fear of missing out. They didn't want to just miss out on this opportunity to potentially help their application, even if they didn't necessarily feel like they needed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also most of them... In fact, all of them agreed that this exam, I mean, any entrance exam for that say, created some sort of inequality, Mm -hmm. right? Because there is a lack of access angle, Mm -hmm. right? So a person from rural may not have the same access as the person from urban area Mm -hmm. for quality coaching, right? And also, even if uh, a person from rural area can, I mean, there is is this angle of affordability too, right? Yeah. Right. And so and so because of this coaching industry, we also saw in the first episode that uh, the doctor said that it has skewed skewed in favor. Yeah, the skew, it skewed the MBBS entrance in favor of uh, urban students, mm-hmm. right? And richer students. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings the main question, you know, of what the existing system is doing to bridge the rural healthcare gap. Right. right. By by this gap, I'm referring to the 80% shortage of specialists in rural areas in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the system before the uniform entrance exam itself was not actually good enough to solve the issues existing in the rural healthcare system. I mean, this shortage has been there well before NEET. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to at least bring in enough doctors into all the places that need them, that's clearly not being done. So given that all these problems already existed, NEAT was meant to come in and help things or at least address these problems. But NEAT is actually, it seems as though it's making things worse. Yes. And apart from the entrance exam, you know, what are the problems that have to be addressed in medical education and beyond? for doctors to be able to go into these places and bridge the gap? I mean, what are the solutions? That's the question, yes. 
So I want to bring back Parth Sharma. He was in our last episode. You'll remember Parth is currently pursuing his MD in community health, and he did his MBBS at Christian Medical College in Bellur, where he got some exposure to rural health. So here's what he had to say about how things have played out and worked in Tamil Nadu. What Tamil Nadu does, uh, you know, is that once you have served in Tamil Nadu, you get a preference to work there, which shows that. you know you have served the people and then you are coming and you get extra marks for serving the community i feel that helps again because if somebody has become a doctor from a very rural part and they go back to that rural part and work there for 3 or 5 years they get extra like brownie points for that work so that they can become a pg doctor and then go back there so that way if you look at the human resources for health rural doctors in tamil nadu and kerala they are doing extremely well they have a lot of rural doctors they have uh, there's no shortage of uh, doctors as such if you compare with bihar up jharkhand chhattisgarh compared to that they are doing pretty decent because they have had uh, more just systems in place for long time so disha agarwal the mbbs student at maulana azad medical college in delhi you know in the last episode she said that she's a city girl she's grown up in the city so she hasn't really thought about working in rural india at all and this is what she had to say about you know the kinds of discussions she's having with her friends about their future medical plans unfortunately i do not see a lot of my friends uh, inclined towards going uh, into rural healthcare mm-hmm. um so the way it works is you know once you uh, over here once you get into your college uh the entire rat race for a post graduation seat begins mm-hmm. um so the moment we are in college uh we're already thinking about the next step you know how do we prepare for neat pg yeah that is that's at least true for um a lot of the colleges that i know um and my friends are also you know at this point they're also preparing for uh, their post graduation entrance exams and mm. if i were to ask them um i think all of them are you know just waiting to get into some sort of specialization and maybe start their own practice or maybe join uh, a hospital but nobody has ever mentioned you know we want to go uh, and work in the rural uh, healthcare setup right and i think that okay. is a fault um of you know the entire system the way it is that nobody you know uh, that i'm not quite sure what the reason is but none of us really want to go and you know work um in rural india are most of the people in your cohort are they from cities or is there like a bit of diversity in terms of where people are from and the kind of backgrounds that they're from so they're mostly from cities uh mm. or maybe you know um towns maybe not as big as delhi uh mm-hmm. but none of them are really from a very rural background but i think that is a bit of a sampling issue because uh, my college is in delhi and yeah. the people that uh, get into my college are from the areas around delhi so parth says that they incentivize doctors in tamil nadu to work in rural areas right mm-hmm. and so they were able to fill this gap to some extent mm-hmm. because the students were given a preference and they were given this incentive where they would get bonus points if they work in rural areas uh, when they eventually want to do a pg course mm-hmm. right so then it, that made them go towards rural areas and made them likely to work in rural areas so that's what path says mm-hmm. also he says that if you bring enough number of people from rural areas and make them doctors 
they will eventually go back and serve right right their communities that's what i mean the essence of what parth is saying right and disha is agreeing with parth in an indirect way she's saying that you know we're all in urban areas and we're not even thinking about rural healthcare what's happening in rural india if anything the focus is on the next step so that would be their specialization neat pg you know whatever they're going to do next in their career so it kind of brings up this question of whether having more students more mbbs students from more rural backgrounds mm-hmm. would lead to more rural doctors because they maybe would be more inclined to go back and serve their communities so the question is would this solution work out and the answer is apparently not so yeah, yeah. the doctors that we spoke to they said that this theory is almost a little too idealistic so i spoke to dr reggie george and dr george founded the tribal health initiative with his wife yes so the tribal health initiative essentially provides healthcare services for people in this small rural hamlet called sitilingi uh, Mm-hmm. and also the neighboring villages mm-hmm. so what he explained was that for a lot of rural students this opportunity by that he means this mbbs seat is is their only way out yeah of of you know from a rural area to an urban area yeah i'm just going to break the bubble uh, people from rural at least uh, from the tribal areas who have become doctors don't come back to tribes they don't come back we don't expect them to come back we have now right now four uh, from this valley itself four people who are in medical colleges one has passed out i don't expect him to come back because he has lived a life of poverty and he has aspired to become a doctor because he wants to make money also okay now we have 10 doctors in our hospital and all 10 have come from either cities or privileged backgrounds now they are the people who can afford to go to a rural because they don't have to marry their sister they don't have to build a house for their father they don't have to support that family they don't have to do anything they can do what they like because there's enough money at home because once you work in a rural area or um, in a in a charitable trust your earnings are limited and you have to live with it but if i have enough money at home i don't bother about it so it is wrong for the public to think that rural students should go back to rural areas they won't they aspire for something else it is the city people who say that i am fed up of this i want something else hook up so i i i i feel it's i mean uh, neat is unfair neat is unjust more than unfair is unjust but i don't have an issue with you know urban people getting in because they are the only people who can afford to come to the rural areas uh, <laughs> which means if a rural student gets in uh, into uh, neat and becomes a doctor there is a there is a huge change which takes place in his family and in this surrounding he makes money he this thing his children study his this thing and then they go off they take off that chance is never there for a person who does not get so in that way it's an unjust system because he is never allowed to even get okay that is very unjust so it is unjust it is bad i don't know the finer aspects of it but all the people who come to work with us come from comfortable homes they can afford to do it and they don't have to they, 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 they don't have to give any money back home nothing like that so let me bring dr lakshmi vijay kumar back in she was in our last episode where she broke down the old system to us so now when we asked her how things are playing out what trends she's seeing among doctors she said that at the end of the day 
people are naturally going to aspire for a better life, a more comfortable life. And that, you know, doesn't really mean choosing to go to a rural area That's correct. if yes. they have another choice. Yeah. After graduating, people want to have better lifestyle, better education, health, better entertainment, better opportunities. So it is natural. I mean, it's not only doctors. Everybody, even if, if a person has studied engineering from a rural area, they'll want to come to the city. Okay. Yeah. Where there are yeah. more opportunities. So that kind of migration from rural to urban has always happened because urban has uh, supposed to give more opportunities. But um, actually, if you were... Uh, if you are a doctor and if you are a very good doctor in a rural area, you actually uh, do very well then, rather than come into your competitive urban area. Now, Sudesh Dade, you'll recall he is a public health researcher and he said that this problem kind of has to do with awareness, right? So people don't know what rural healthcare really looks like and they don't really know what the pros of rural healthcare can be. Whereas they know all the cons. Yeah, yeah. I guess like first thing is definitely awareness about systemic challenges. So a lot of uh, people during their MBBS or even like MD or MS are not aware of challenges and also opportunities. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, partly the focus is around like kind of like getting through like the curriculum and like the process for yourself, which is important. Uh, but then it's, it's also driven a lot by the local environment, which kind of at least in some way, I guess, like hinders a, a person from like looking a little bit beyond of like themselves mm -hmm. and like their surroundings. So there's that awareness is like a key challenge. But apart from that, I think there needs to be uh, like a policy shift with regards to how we think about rural healthcare and how we think about recruiting doctors and retaining them in the rural healthcare. Yeah. So for instance, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just like talking about like my home state, which is Maharashtra. Uh, Maharashtra has been since like 1996. Uh, the state has been trying to introduce, reintroduce uh, and change policy, which is called bonding of doctors. So which is like a mandatory rural service for doctors after their MBBS, after their post-graduation. And it, it keeps failing because... Uh, yeah, when you, I mean, like the basic logic of it is that if you compel people to do something, there is going to be uh, some natural resistance to that. So w w with regards to the bonding policy, I think that could be replaced by by a program and by a policy which is more incentivizing for rural service rather than making it mandatory. So instead of like trying to like mandate everyone to do that and then kind of like getting like 20% people to like, yeah, to like, yeah, f finally actually do like a bond service. It's probably better to like incentivize 10% more people and get like 30% of like the total crowd, right? Yeah. So I think there is that. There has to be like more transparency with regards to like recruitment. Yeah, there are like a lot of like things that could be done. So, I mean, let's compare this to what Disha said earlier, right? I mean, she's from Delhi, she's studying there. So I asked her, you know, does Delhi have a bond period or a bond system? Like, you know, what Parth referred to at CMC Bellur. No, we don't have that in Delhi. Okay, okay. So if it's, you... not, it's not compulsory for every state. 
to have yeah. a bond so it is like up to the state's discretion if they want to impose a bond period we don't have one what are your thoughts on having that bond period do you think that it's helpful do you think that that's something like if you had to do it what what are your thoughts on it i actually would not mind at all if i had to go serve um a bond period because i think of it as a different experience uh, one where i will be able to get in touch with you know a completely different um setup a completely mm-hmm. different healthcare set- setup i'll be able to learn how to work in you know relatively resource limited settings and i will be able to interact with people who are not exactly from you know like the heavily urban areas so i personally would not mind i would love to take it as a learning experience but i am very sure that you know uh, people who are in a hurry to you know mm-hmm. just do their uh, specialization and get in and you know just start practicing they would not be particularly happy campers <laughs> so if you see what parth and disha are saying mm-hmm. is that essentially it boils down to this mm-hmm. that path is saying if you bring enough rural students from rural areas uh, and they will essentially go back and serve mm-hmm. the community right now disha is saying we from an urban area you know we rarely think about rural areas rural health care right so these two go, go hand in hand mm-hmm. they are essentially saying the same thing but the doctors who spoke after them are disagreeing with this view Right. right so they are saying you are not taking into account the aspirations of a rural doctor right. of a person who comes from a rural place right so you're not a rural doctor but a student rural right, student right. who comes and becomes a doctor you're not taking his aspirations into uh, consideration at all he would want to go out and explore the world but what really hit me was that many doctors also said that it is the reverse that many students mm-hmm. who from urban areas are willing to come and work in rural places mm-hmm. with the, that is, that is something which i never expected to happen right yeah yeah so also the doctors said that forcing students to go back to rural areas might not work because rural students going back to rural areas won't want to work or that's just not what they would maybe like out of their life yeah but what works instead is giving people this exposure to want to work in rural areas or to get an understanding of what working in a rural area entails and that goes for you know students of all socioeconomic backgrounds including you know the richer more privileged students so yeah. that they can get a sense and an understanding of what it is that they would be signing up for and what pros do come with that right So here's what Reggie George from the Tribal Health Initiative had to say about this. So um, I think in the first 15 years there was just me and my wife working. There was nobody would come to a tribal area and work. And slowly we started noticing uh, younger doctors coming in coming in. And when we asked them uh, why are you what made you come to this rural area? Some of them told that we wanted to do something more adventurous or we wanted to do some more thing. But uh, slowly it comes out that they are generally dissatisfied with the general you no know, the practice medical practice in the urban areas which they say is unethical and we join medicine to serve and when we go and work in um, urban hospitals we realize that they are just profit oriented and it's not uh, i mean it's not what we want to do 
and once we started noticing more and more younger doctors breaking away from the mainstream and coming we had an idea so we uh, we uh, wrote to many many medical colleges and said that we are organizing a rural sensitization camp it is called rsp rural sensitization camp and uh, we told just put it up on a notice board if anyone comes let them come and to our very pleasant surprise from the first camp it was fully booked we had 30 seats and uh, people coming from uh, you know not only government colleges but people who were paid large amounts in donations and uh, coming you know and uh, so we have uh, now uh, two camps in sitlingi uh, then some sister organizations some people doctors who friends who work with tribals we have altogether about five uh, different locations in india doing the rsps and we are noticing more and more uh, younger Uh, medical students now breaking off from the mainstream and saying that no we don't want to do this we want to do something ethical we want to be useful to society so that is slowly grey growing and that was i think the first time in india that we did it and now about four or five locations do it many people are now interested in this no how can you get doctors to go to the route we just did it on a whim i mean we had just uh, but it worked out see for example for for our camps For thirty seats, it will be about two hundred applications coming in. Then we have to do a you know filtering and uh, this thing you know. So that is, uh, but we do it. But it's 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 quite popular, especially in the south, um, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, South Andhra, Chittalingi RSP. Yeah, so let's go. And from the RSP came another uh, thing. Uh, many of the students told we are interested in rural health, but you are giving us three days of exposure. and telling us to take a life decision on it you know that is very difficult we need to see more and so then we designed uh, something called a travel fellowship like 30 years ago i backpacked across india based on that we did a travel fellowship and we got similar organizations working with in remote areas in india in chhattisgarh jharkhand rajasthan uttarakhand a lot of places maharashtra and Uh, we introduce something called a travel fellowship uh, travel fellowship is after your mbbs you take one year off don't go for neat okay you take one year off and you travel to at least out of the 15 at least to three or four organizations stay there for two or three months see the work they are doing interact with the people there go to the population they are working with see their problems and then learn it is a learning experience and it's based on a mentorship program because most of the medical students i mean doc young doctors when they go and see poverty first hand they are absolutely devastated because they are in their you know i don't know glass houses air conditioned houses then they never know this and suddenly when you go and see a mother dying because she had no blood or she was anemic and then she was not taken at the correct time to the hospital you know they they are absolutely devastated they've had the young doctors crying you know because they never expected this and what we have so we have every batch has five people five people per batch we are running the third batch the fourth batch is going to start it's always fully booked so there are five people at least ready to now take that whole jump and these people who have gone through the travel fellowship i can guarantee you they will never go back to the because the exposure they get is so so uh, so uh, it has made such an imprint on them that they know where they are going to work 
uh, and uh, what we have noticed is they are completely changed in views, completely changed in views, saying that, you know, I've seen so much, how can I go, go and you know, work in LSE, how can I do unethical practice? So that is one small start which we are Hopefully, we are trying to make it a little bigger uh, because I think that is the only way we can uh, meaningfully direct young doctors into rural care um, and find these people out. But uh, definitely, the number of people who are uh, willing to work in rural areas is definitely increasing. So, Sonika, if you see rural sensitization camps work, mm-hmm. right? So he's saying it's fully booked and that he feels is a good way to attract doctors, mm-hmm. especially urban doctors who had not ex- well, not exposed to rural healthcare before. Yeah. So Parth, you know, he's now doing his MD in community medicine. And when I was speaking to him, I could really see that his time at CMC Velour really helped push him in that direction because he was exposed to rural health during that time. And it's not just that he was exposed to it, but also rural health doctors ended up becoming like role models for him. So this was my uh, f- my second year. I went to this play- place called Naini in Uttar Pradesh. It's close to Allahabad. Hmm. Uh, we were posted in a leprosy hospital, which is called TLM, the Leprosy Mission Hospital. And there I saw the impact that one person can make. Uh, so he was uh, a trained surgeon from Bellor who was who spent his entire life there. And uh, the amount of reconstruction surgeries he had done to improve the quality of life of people who had deformities because of leprosy was insane. You know, they would start their work at 8 o'clock in the morning, finish at uh, 9, 10 in the night, and they would be happy. So that really attracted me. You know, they are satisfied with their work. They are really happy. So there I personally saw the impact that a small hospital can have in a rural place. In my second year, I went to Rajnandgaon, as I mentioned, in Chhattisgarh. So that was also uh, somewhat close to the Naxal area. And uh, we saw that, uh, again, two doctors running an entire hospital, a father and a daughter, running the entire hospital serving people with no fear because they, they knew they were doing a good job. You know, they, they, they were helping pure intentions, nothing, they are not doing it for themselves. So that really makes you feel like, you know, like you, you look at them and you are inspired. And that's what I feel is missing in most of our medical education. We lack role models. And uh, I, I feel I was fortunate to be in CMC because CMC continuously took that effort to give me role models. You know, it's like starting from Sushil Johnson, I mentioned, you know, who took me to that extremely rural place outskirts of Velour and you know just made me sit there and observe him or uh, or, or even giving us role models like Dr. Gagandeep Kang who is a global figure so right seeing people who serve the most the last person in the line seeing those people uh, serving them to seeing global health figures you know, we always had role models so that really influenced us so do you think that you would be open to working yeah that's my plan so so what, the reason i'm interested in cancer is that uh, firstly it's going up you know now we compare with two decades ago more, a lot of people are dying because of cancer now and uh, there is a great rural urban divide most of cancer care is in urban india rural indians are still suffering dying a painful death and i i believe 
everybody deserves a dignified death you know you have to be pain free when you die uh, that's the least somebody can do for you be pain free when you die and uh, i definitely want to go into supportive oncology after this which is palliative care mm-hmm. and the, the need is in rural india for that and uh, yeah as of now my plan is to go to northeast india because you know it's called the oral cancer capital of the world lot of oral cancer patients there and yeah i want to work there in a rural northeast india understand why there is such high oral cancer how can i prevent how can i work to improve people who already had the cancer how, how to improve their quality of life and once you know they are beyond treatment how to improve their quality of death so yeah that's something i really am looking forward to working towards so disha she's still studying now she's in her third year of mbbs and she said that you know the onus to create this interest in rural healthcare should really fall on the medical curriculum itself having an incentive is not a bad idea because it could you know tip uh, the balance in favor of going and working in a rural healthcare setup for a lot of individuals arousing interest in rural healthcare is also uh the responsibility of the medical education the onus of uh, that is not exactly on neat as an exam mm. uh because when we get admission uh we're just we're straight out of 12th and we have not really seen the world and you know we're very young and we're very impressionable at that point so when we are at college i feel um that we should be exposed to rural healthcare in a much more comprehensive and a more interesting manner mm-hmm. i'd say uh so simply stating that you know xyz is a problem in rural india is not enough like you're telling us all sorts of problems but we're not being exposed to you know people who are working in uh, rural india we're not uh, we're not exposed to people who you know actually coming up with solutions for those healthcare problems and if we were to you know learn about those or maybe uh, get to interact with such people it will definitely arouse you know our interest because there is so much that can be done uh when it comes yeah. to public health just we have to be exposed to it in a manner that is comprehensive and interesting and not just you know dry statements that you know xyz is a problem in rural india um, memorize it and write it in the exam I mean, that's i don't think that's the way to approach public health so three points have come out from these discussions and it all points to the same thing mm-hmm. right exposing mbbs students early in their curriculum to the problems in rural healthcare uh, will help yeah right and reggie says rural sensitization camps work mm-hmm. right and also one more thing which everybody is saying is rural role models work yeah right doctors who are already working in rural areas being in touch with these students right yeah. other thing that uh, especially these are said is it should be made a part of the curriculum yeah. at some point of time yeah. right so so essentially there has to be this integration of rural healthcare some kind of exposure to rural healthcare into the curriculum itself into that initial foundational medical experience that these doctors have because if you do it too late i mean they were already going to they already have their lives planned out so yes you know it's really about giving them that exposure as early on as possible and something besides what is i guess 
typically thought of when you think of becoming a doctor and working in a city. Yeah, yeah. So when we posed this question to Ramya Kanan, the chief of the Hindu's Tamil Nadu reporting department, she talked about the realities of working in a rural area. There are a lot of inconveniences because in if you work in a rural setup, you have to depend upon the infrastructure created by the state, which is in a PLC quarters in a PLC. The toilets there are um, not the best that we can provide our students or our doctors. Three is the costs of medical education itself are so prohibitive that. If someone has invested so much, now they are investing lakhs on just a need uh, coaching. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, you get if you get a management seat, you have to pay through your nose for the next five years in impoverished families. How do you recoup? The need is for you to make money quickly, and the only way of doing it is working in an urban center where not only the remuneration is better, but you might also working in a Tertiary setup in the urban center would give you a lot of exposure and better your chances of being picked for, uh, you know, picked for a fellowship or, you know, higher studies. Which is why the Tamil Nadu government has incentivized working in rural areas when it comes to taking your PG qualification. So they have given them, they have allowed the grant of extra marks for those who have served in rural areas. Mm-hmm. Now they've added uh, two years of COVID work. Mm-hmm. That's extraneous. But the Tamil Nadu government is trying to find a way because you have to incentivize it. At this point of time, unless you have a family unit, you have a hospital in a rural area, there is no incentive to work. Yeah. Only the truly altruistic people will go to the rural areas. Of course, those who are smart will because in the... Uh, uh, rural PHC, you are the king. Yeah. Yeah. You might be the only doctor surrounded by like three, four nurses, but you are the king there. Anything that comes there will be under your care. So there is a lot to learn, but that's not how everyone thinks, right? Yeah. The, the reality is that people also need to recoup the investments they've made into medical education. So would adding rural healthcare and having some exposure to rural health as a part of the MBBS curriculum as the people we spoke to suggested, do you think that that would help? Adding it to the curriculum is important, whether or not you want rural students, uh, you want students to enter, whether or not it's a guarantee, it's a necessity to include that in the curriculum. In fact, it was part of the revised uh, medical education guidelines, which were then withdrawn. Actually, it proposed a lovely um, sort of, uh, you know, exposure in rural areas, compulsory family connect with, uh, you know, constituents of that, of the area in which the hospital is serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that students would know, with sort of, you know, they would grow along with that family medically uh, throughout their course of education. So that definitely is going to have to, you know, play a role. Otherwise, today, with the curriculum we have, we leave it to people like uh, excellent professors to inculcate that sense of responsibility or empathy among students. But what if you don't have uh, excellent professors? What if you have professors who believe that 
it's okay to work only in urban areas. It's and we're not judging them here. Um, it's just a point of view. Then you don't achieve your goal of inspiring a student to think of a rural posting. Yeah. So to overcome this, we must ensure that the syllabus itself delivers this input to the student. And this is what D. Suresh Kumar, the Hindu's deputy resident editor, said when we asked him whether bonds work or don't work. Because, of course, the people we spoke to generally said that if you force doctors to go to rural areas, that may not work. Mm -hmm. The other thing which we asked him is also that this notion of exposing students to the problems of rural healthcare early on, having it part of I mean, having the rural experience as part of the curriculum and having role models of rural doctors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, connect them with the students, all these things which work. When we asked this question, posed this question to the Suresh Kumar, this is what he had to say. Yeah, the bond, of course, they sign as adults, so they know what they're getting into, right? So later on to say that, you know, we are forced, I would not accept that. But... Of course, you cannot, uh, you know, get 100% of their, uh, you know, involvement when you have a bond condition and then ask them to work, uh, which is true. But the other point is also that, you know, doctors in the government healthcare system in cities, uh, you know, how many of them uh, are uh, true to their profession? Now, if you notice, uh, most of these government doctors, they all have private clinics. Right. And what time do they start their clinics? I, uh, the other day, I saw that one of the government doctors in Chennai itself, uh, he had sent a pamphlet uh, along with the newspapers that uh, delivery boy. So the pamphlet says that, you know, he'll be consulting in the morning till, uh, you know, nine o'clock. Now till nine o'clock, if he's going to consult from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. in a locality and 13 kilometers, he has to drive down and go to his duty. Will he be able to do it? And again, his even consultation starts at 4 p.m. Right. So, you know, to have the consultation, the private consultation at 4 p.m., he has to leave that government institution by about uh, 3 p.m. at least. So, you know, it's also a question of one's own uh, integrity and, uh, you know, commitment to the profession. You want the government salary, you want to be part of the government uh, hospital system to draw the full salary assured for your till your retirement and at the same time also have your private clinic and uh, make and also lend your name as uh, faculty for some medical institution as a, you know, ghost faculty who exists only on the records. Right. So these are systems also where doctors also need some introspection on this. Instead of merely saying this, but of course, camps are a good idea. Uh, you know, you uh, like just like NSS and other things, you know, people go on a camp. So, uh, you know, make it part of their internship program uh, to go to camps and see the kind of love you get from the rural people, you know, because they don't have access at all to, uh, you know, proper health care in most uh, of the districts in Tamil Nadu itself, right. although we are much advanced. You know, even in the primary health centers, if you go, most of the time, there's no doctor, the only the nurses administer medicine. So for these people, uh, you know, uh, I think personal involvement is also required uh, where they understand. But I don't know whether even they, even despite that, whether they will dedicate their entire life for a rural area unless it's commercially viable. So, you know, commercial viability uh, is something that the market demand alone will be able to determine. So, Sonika, it seems that yes, to an extent, both of them do agree that uh, making it part of the curriculum will have an effect. Yeah. Right. But but there is seems to be also this notion that commercial viability uh, is also an important part of it. Like a doctor who has to go to a rural area mm -hmm. should also feel that you know as 
they're supported Absolutely. financially or yes. socially yes. or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, whatever they find, <laughs> whatever it is that they're looking for. Yeah. That's understandable. So that's it for the second episode of Vital Signs. In our next episode, we will be taking a look at the MBBS curriculum and how it sort of compares to what people are doing in school and how that has also changed over time. You can find this podcast on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And you can make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Sonika. Thanks, Vignesh. Mm-hmm.